I want you to know I didn't come around and say hello and good morning to all of you this morning, and that it's me, it's not you. I have a little bit of a cold, as you may be able to hear in my voice, and I don't want to share that with you. Um, so that's why the distance this morning. Um, and it's interesting that I have a cold this morning because we're talking about suffering. And um, somehow God seems to bring things up in my life as we're going through them in the scriptures. And I, I, let's be clear, a cold is very small suffering. But nonetheless, it's no fun. And so why, why don't we look together at Romans chapter 5 and see what suffering means for us. Right, Because we, we have an expectation sometimes that um, there shouldn't be suffering or that if there's suffering, there's something wrong. And so let's, let's look at this together. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, last week we looked at verse 1, right? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked about uh, the fact that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, when we believe in that, we are reconciled to God. We have peace with God. We are no longer enemies of God. We have peace with Him. And now Paul in verse 2 wants to say that's not the only thing that happened, right? When Jesus died and rose again from the dead, we were not only justified, but also we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What an interesting way to put that. We have access by faith, into this grace in which we stand. Right, right now, you are sitting here in this building physically. That, that's where you are positionally, physically, on this earth. Right? You are sitting here. If you were um, going to go to a Blazers game, you would be going in and you would be standing in Moda Center. Right? You would you'd give them your ticket, they would let you in, and you would go and you'd be standing in Moda Center, and I hope you would be uh, rejoicing and celebrating and cheering with the hope that the Blazers would win, right? That's that you got your ticket so that you could go in, so that you could be standing in that building rejoicing and cheering for those Blazers to win. What this is saying is that through Jesus we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. So spiritually, we are standing in a position of grace, a place of God's grace to us. That's spiritually where we're standing, right? It it doesn't matter where we are physically, spiritually, by God's grace, through faith, we are standing in His, in His grace, right? That, that is to say that uh, if we think again of the Moda Center and you're going to give your ticket so that you can get in, Jesus gives us access by providing us the ticket 
so that we can get in. And then we go in through faith so that we can stand in grace. That's spiritually what's happening. We, we have been justified by faith and have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Right? So, just doctrinally, theologically speaking, when we believe that Jesus' death and resurrection paid for our sins and justified us, now we positionally are standing in grace. That's where we're at. And because of that, it goes on to say, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Because we're standing in God's grace and we know what God has done for us, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Right? Because He has brought us in and put us in this place of, of grace, then we can say, God, You deserve the glory for that. You deserve the glory for that. And so, uh, theologically, that's what's happening, is we are standing in grace, and now, because we are standing in that place, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, we've heard this, this phrase, the glory of God, before in the book of Romans. For all have sinned, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That was the problem, right? We sinned against God, and because of that, we fall short of His glory. We don't get to see it. We don't get to participate in it. We, we fall short of it. But it goes on to say, And now, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and, verse 24 of Romans chapter 3, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Now, that, when, when we read that, you should go, wait, that's like the exact same, it uses a little bit different words, but this is the same stuff He's talking about in, verse, in uh, chapter 5. Yeah, it's the same stuff. Before, we fell short of the glory of God because of our sin, but then the result or, or the, the thing that God did about that is He justified us through faith in Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And I know that I have said this several times as we have been going through, the, through Romans, but I'm going to say it again. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is what makes God different. Because He can be both just and the justifier. Praise Him for that. He should get all kinds of glory for that. And He will. He does get some glory for, for that now. Ultimately, He's going to get all the glory and all of the praise as everybody begins to recognize what God has done. That He is just. He doesn't put up with sin. He doesn't just sit back and go, you know, you messed up, but it's okay. I'm cool with it. I'm a hip kind of a God. We'll just pretend it didn't happen. Well, that was a little bit bigger sin. That's okay. 
That's okay. I'm a really cool God. I'll put up with that too. And then at some point, you know, we have to have this line where, okay, that was just really bad and now you've got to deal with God's wrath. But before that, God could put up with it. No. God is just. It doesn't matter what the sin is. God hates sin. And will punish sin. And will take care of sin. And make things right. He is just. So then those of us who are sinners have a problem. Because we know that God is just. And we cannot justify ourselves. And so the amazing thing that God did is He provided His Son so that He could be both just and the justifier. And so when we believe that in faith, now we stand in His grace positionally and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It doesn't matter what else is going on, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because we know we were sinners deserving God's wrath and now we are justified by faith. And nothing can change that. Now here's the problem. Sometimes it feels like things change that. We have this theological belief that we are standing in the grace of God, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Not only what? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we, one, have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also, two, obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we, three, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but four, we rejoice in our sufferings. I got a cold. Hallelujah. Is that what this is saying? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. It's great to be a Christian. God justifies us. He gives us peace with Him. He puts us in great standing with Him. And He allows us to suffer. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. He, he wants to help us understand that our theological understanding, our doctrinal, doctrinal understanding of standing in a place of grace is not changed by external physical circumstances. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Yep, amen, says the whole congregation. And now, oh wait a second, now you're having some suffering. Now you have a cold. Are you still rejoicing? Well, no, I'm kind of depressed right now. That's what suffering causes in me. It causes me to be depressed. Well, did the truth of your position in God's kingdom change? No. So are you rejoicing despite your suffering? It's not that we are expecting to rejoice because of the sufferings but we rejoice despite the sufferings because we know that we are standing in God's grace. We're standing in God's grace. 
He has taken us from one place and put us into another. So now we are standing by His grace in a place where we can rejoice in hope of the future glory of Him. Knowing that we are going to participate in that. We're going to see that. We're going to see His love and His grace and His majesty revealed to the full. And we're not going to be on the wrong side of the line. Because we're no longer enemies with Him. But we're on the same side. And He did that. And so whatever else the circumstances may be, we're rejoicing because of God. Paul says, but not only that, but we rejoice even in our sufferings because that's still true. Because that's still true. Let me try and move this to a different uh, realm so that we can get some handles on this and, and, and begin to really grab hold of it. If you have cancer and you are going through treatments and you are seeing the prognosis is not good, you're suffering. Now let's say that you lose your job and your suffering is increased. And you go into the doctor and the doctor does the test and he looks and he goes, it's gone. The cancer is gone. Yes! The cancer's gone! I am rejoicing because the thing that was eating me up inside and causing me to die is now removed and I'm healthy and I'm living and I'm rejoicing. But you lost your job. I don't care. What difference does it make if I have a job and I'm dead? What difference does it make if I have a job and I'm too sick to do it? I don't care that I lost my job. Are you rejoicing because you lost your job? No. You're rejoicing because you have been made whole. You have this physical health that you didn't expect to have anymore. You thought that was going to be completely gone and taken away from you. And so despite whatever else the circumstances may be, you are rejoicing because you have been made physically whole. Now we're talking about in the spiritual realm the same thing. We are standing in grace and have peace with God. So we rejoice even in the midst of suffering. I lost my job, but I have peace with God. I have a cold, but I have peace with God. I have cancer and am physically dying, but I have peace with God and hope for the glory that I will be with Him eternally at the end of this physical life, whatever it may look like. And so I'm rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our sufferings. I I don't want in any way to belittle the suffering. Suffering is a reality for many of us. It's painful. It hurts. That's, That's why they call it suffering. The definition of it. And I don't want to say that you have to put on a smiley face and pretend to be happy even though you're in pain continually. I'm just wanting to remind you that spiritually, in the things that matter the most, when you have faith in God, by His grace, you are standing in grace and have peace with Him. And it changes 
the way we view our circumstances because no circumstances can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can change that spiritual standing that we have in Him. And so we rejoice. We may be rejoicing through the tears, but we rejoice because the reality is that thing has... that. Theological truth has not changed. This is true even when it's ongoing. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces endurance. That's one of those things that you're just not sure. Do I really want that? Do I really want endurance? Today is the Portland Marathon, and I can see that you, like me, thought it would be much holier to be here sitting <coughs> than participating in the Portland Marathon. You don't get to participate in the... Well, if you pay your fee, you can participate. But you don't get to succeed at the Portland Marathon unless you put in the training, Right? It's the suffering of the training that allows you to have the endurance to be able to run for a ridiculous number of miles. No one should run that many miles. That's ridiculous. But if you have put in the training, you build up the endurance. And you can run more miles and more miles and more miles. Until eventually you're doing marathons. And then those ridiculous people do ultra-marathons. But it was the suffering that built up the endurance. And in the same way that um, we can build up physical endurance through that kind of training and suffering, we can build up spiritual endurance. We can build up spiritual endurance by continually turning back to the hope of the glory of God despite whatever the circumstances are. We go back to God's Word. We read God's Word. We see His truth and we go, yes, I have to remind myself that this is true, that positionally I am standing in a place of peace with God by His grace. Even though I'm uncomfortable right now, even though I'm in pain right now, even though I'm experiencing great loss right now, I go back to God's Word and I remind myself that He has told me He loves me and He has put me in a place of His grace and I can anticipate a future glory with Him. Each day, each week, we have opportunity to build that kind of endurance. We go back to God's Word. We cry out to Him. God, this stinks! I'm not enjoying this at all. It's okay to say that. God, this is not the most wonderful thing that I could experience right now. God, I don't understand why this is happening right now, but I trust you. And you, God, and your word says that I am yours. And nothing can separate me from your love. And so, despite what I am currently experiencing and feeling, I am clinging to the hope of the truth of your word. That I am standing in your grace. 
this suffering that comes up either results in endurance or results in our letting go. We're, we're holding on to faith. We're holding on to the truth that we are standing positionally in God's grace. But when those, those things come against us and we are experiencing those sufferings and we're experiencing those difficulties, one of two things happens. Either we start building up endurance because we continually go back to the truth of God's Word and we continue to rejoice. Or we go, I give up. Following God should not feel like this. If God really loved me, this wouldn't be happening. In fact, when Jesus is is telling a parable and he's talking about the word of God being spread out like seed, some of that seed falls on good ground and some of that seed falls on rocky ground and some of that seed gets uh, falls on ground where the weeds choke it out. And when it falls on the rocky ground, it just it lands but it doesn't stick at all. And when it lands on the good ground, it sticks and it stays and and the the ground holds on to it. But but in between are the the ones, the the ground that they grab onto the Word of God, but then, well, let's turn. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. This is the explanation that Jesus is giving. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while, and when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. It springs up, has it, and then stuff kind of weighs him down, and then he he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of, the, of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is the person who's, who, while we talk about the hope of being in the position of grace, really has other little hopes that they're hoping in, and when those things aren't fulfilled, they go, oh, well, forget it. But as for, the one, as for what was sown on good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. One of the most remarkable things that I see is people who continue on in ongoing suffering. How do they handle that? How do they get through that? I have have walked alongside of believers whose faith is so rich and so vibrant. They have such peace with God. And I look at their circumstances and I go, I am so glad that's not me. But I sure wish I had their faith. I sure wish I trusted God like they do. Like my life was so permeated by Him, like theirs is. What a a remarkable thing that 
People go through suffering and build up this endurance as they're working through it and they continually put their hope and trust in God. They continually go back to His Word and go, this, this is it. I'm hanging on to this. Note the difference between the good soil and the bad. The good soil, we think, oh, that's the soil that produced. Right? The difference between the two soils is that the one died and the other one produced a crop. But that's not actually the difference between the soils. The difference between the soils is that the one was very receptive to the word and kept it. That's the difference. It's not like, oh, if I produce something, then that makes me good soil. No. Something gets produced because you're holding fast to the Word of God. That's the difference between the soils. That when all those trials, when all those temptations, when all those sufferings come along, we still hold fast to God's Word and we go, this is the truth that I'm hanging on to. It is the good news that Jesus died for my sins and rose again from the dead and there will be a future glory that I will participate in with Him. Suffering produces endurance and endurance produces Character. Endurance produces character. The first time you suffer, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Am I going to cling to faith even though I'm suffering? When it continues, it becomes endurance. And I build up some endurance continuing through my suffering in faith. And after a while of that endurance, it just becomes part of who we are. It is our character. We are people of faith, people of hope. Notice, notice that the endurance is still clinging to the faith, and it's not self-reliance. Right? We are clinging to the hope of the glory of God. It is not that somehow through all of these things we build up this endurance and we become strong. Right? This is something that we are told over and over and over and over and over again though. That the result of suffering is endurance. The result of endurance is that we become strong. That which doesn't kill me makes me stronger. You see it all over the place. You see it in all kinds of music, whether from Kanye West or Kelly Clarkson or even working its way into the church and Christian music with Mandisa and many others. That somehow we expect that the suffering results in our strength. I I don't want to pick on Mandisa because I, I feel like she's so much closer than the other ones. But listen to, as her song is ending, when the waves are taking you under, hold on just a little bit longer. He knows that this is going to make you stronger. Stronger. The pain ain't going to last forever. Things can only get better. Believe me, this is going to make you stronger. 
It's going to make you stronger. This is going to make you stronger. It's going to make you stronger. As though somehow the reason that God is allowing this to happen in our lives, the reason that God brings us suffering is because He knows that when we come through on the other side, we will be a strong people. We're not a strong people. We're a suffering people. We're an enduring people. We're a people with a character of hope and faith and believing and we're clinging to that because we know that we are not strong. And that character doesn't produce strength. The character produces hope. Suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Not in the same, it makes it, the result of it is. But more in a, um, it reveals us to be. So it's not so much that um, the suffering makes us have endurance, right? There are people who suffer and they don't have endurance. But it reveals that we have endurance, It's not that endurance makes us to have character as though if you just dumped in enough endurance, you will have character. It's that it reveals that there is character. And in the same way, as we begin to be a a people with the character of hope, it shows that we have hope. Truly. It's only as we work through all of those things that, that we work through the suffering and yet we have hope and we continue to endure because we have hope and we continue to have character because we have hope that we really know, ah, this is my hope. This is my hope. I don't have a different one. This is it. Sometimes we don't know that until we've walked through all that stuff. We had a little bit of suffering. And we made it through that and it showed, yeah, this is really what I believe. But sometimes it isn't until we've gone all the way through all of that stuff that we really know for sure, yeah, this is the only thing that I'm clinging to. Everything else is stripped away and yet I am rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Even with everything else gone. But why? Why can we have hope? Even as all of that other stuff is happening, why can we cling to that hope? Verse 5. And hope... Now, what are you expecting? You're expecting produces, right? Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. We will not be disappointed by that hope. We will not be embarrassed by that hope. We will not be let down by that hope. It is a sure and certain hope. For a long time as I read this passage, I would stop there. I don't know why, It's not the end of a sentence. It's not the end of a verse. But somehow, 
and hope does not put us to shame, I had a period right there. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Boom. End. But he goes on. He gives us a reason that hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's why. We already know for sure. Because He has already given us the Holy Spirit. That's why it's a sure hope. He has already assured us of it. This is way different than our shortcut hopes. Right? Our shortcut hopes work like this. I'm going to suffer through my job this week and hope in this weekend. Because this weekend is going to be wonderful. It's going to be sunny. I'm going to have fun. I am going to relax. I am going to hope in that weekend. And we will endure the suffering of work for months because we are hoping in that vacation. And we will endure the suffering of work for years because we are hoping in that retirement. And can you imagine anything better than retirement? No more work. And what you find is that the weekend is not as great as you thought it would be. And the vacation, though wonderful, was not as long as you thought it should be. And retirement, though great, is not as carefree as you thought it would be. (laughs) Those shortcut hopes disappoint us. Oh, if I eat really well, if I don't eat those desserts right now, then I will have greater health and I will live a long and happy, healthy life. There's no guarantee of that. There's no promise that says that. I need a hope with a promise. Something that I can hang on to that I know for sure. Because there's no promise of this weekend. There's no promise of the vacation. There's no promise of the retirement. There's no promise of the long and healthy, happy life. But hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Holy Spirit assures our hearts of the love of God as evidenced by the gift gift of His Son. In John chapter 15, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to be leaving them and that they're, so, they're sad about that. They have sorrow because Jesus is going to be leaving them and this is the comfort he gives them. John chapter 15 starting in verse 6. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit reminded them of the things that Jesus had said. And they wrote those things down. So that we could have the Bible that that the Holy Spirit uh, inspired. God's truth, His word to us that we can hold fast to and sure. And He helps us by having the Holy Spirit poured out into our hearts. He helps us to understand that truth and cling to that truth. So that again, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Is there any doubt that there is a lasting hope that's waiting for us? to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It is because we have been justified by faith. Through the grace that we have received from God, through the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we stand in His grace, that we have peace with God, and that we hope in the future glory of God. And so it is my encouragement to you that when you suffer, some of you are suffering right now, Some of you are not suffering, but you have been suffering. Or you will be suffering. My encouragement to to you is to go back to God's word. To reassure yourself that despite the circumstances, God has so loved you that he sent his son to die on the cross to take the wrath that you deserved to reconcile you with God so that you have peace with God and anticipate that despite the physical circumstances now or the emotional circumstances now, the spiritual reality is that you are already standing in His grace and will be there forevermore. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we, we know this to be true. That your grace is good to us. That your love is expressed to us through the gift of your Son. But sometimes the cares of the world or the sufferings of life cause us to be distracted. 
to wallow in self-pity, to give up hope. And so we ask, would you fill us with your love through the gift of your Holy Spirit that we might be assured in our hearts and minds by the Holy Spirit through the revelation of your word in the Scriptures that you are God, that your glory will be revealed and we will see it in eternity. And I ask for those that are here this morning who are suffering, for those who are in physical pain, Father, would you comfort them through the gift of your Spirit? I pray for those who are suffering because of being at relational odds with family members or friends. Lord, would you comfort them because they have peace with you? Lord, I pray for those who are suffering financially that you would comfort them knowing that you will provide for them and that ultimately they will be glorified with you. And Father, we ask for all of these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom we now rejoice. Amen.